a startup fundamentally needs three things there is repeatability there is scalability and there is profitability right out of these i, I would call that the path to profitability i think two of these which is repeatability and scalability are two pivots which one needs to search for in the early life cycle stage so investing in in growth in stage 0 is almost a, i would i would call it as a sure shot prerequisite and uh, mostly uh, we know that the startups are dealing with a new concept and or a habit change and this may initially require selling perhaps only on the strength of price not the brand not anything else but price mm-hmm. and therefore may call for disproportionate investments and therefore uh, profitability may be a long long way off right Hello everyone and welcome to the 12th episode of Startup Garage. I'm your host Webev Gogia. And today we have a special guest with us. I cannot justly summarize in a few words about him and I'm really honored to have uh, Mr. Piyush Sharma, the ex-CEO Z Entertainment India with me today. Piyush has a spectrum of interests and experiences ranging from startup advisory and public policy to spirituality and yoga. Apart from being a C-level executive, he is involved with Academia at ISB and UCLA. He is an angel investor and also assists various government bodies on policy making. So today we are going to be talking to him about growth marketing, growth hacking, which is a very commonly overused word for startups, and uh, more about his journey, his learnings. So, welcome to the show, sir. it's it's a pleasure to have you how have you been i am great member inviting me so sir you have been working on new ideas and tech since the early 2000s and even before that and at z you were heading new initiatives in otb e-commerce and now you invest in and mentor a lot of startups so how have been you staying at the top of these waves all throughout these times so life has been very productive and meaningful over the last uh, few years i think as i transitioned from a full time corporate engagement to the various hats that i today wear i think it has been um, i i end up playing as a multi as a as a cross sectoral athlete who operates across at the intersection of academia of the government of uh, multilaterals and of the startup and technology ecosystem and i think there is a lot that can be done and uh, i think entrepreneurship is a problem worth solving and uh, there are a lot of uh, ignited uh, enthusiastic uh, startup leaders out there as also ideas out there and uh, the ability to kind of uh, engage with them learn from them and share my two cents worth of wisdom is what uh, provides one the uh, catalytic uh, ability to kind of uh, work in that environment that's amazing and also since uh, you've worked on new projects starting from scratch and you have grown them and so how important do you think in your uh, career of working on so many different projects involving so many different stakeholders how important do you think differentiation is for startups today particularly when we consider the role of growth marketing so growth hacking you know moving from launch to growth that uh, aha moment i think even the most exciting and useful new products and services you know they all face challenges in convincing people to adopt them 
and it is important to understand the concept of uh, rate of diffusion the the adoption of new products and the ways to attack the challenge of forecasting demand now uh, repeated you know a, a startup fundamentally needs three things there is repeatability there is scalability and there is profitability right out of these i, I would call that the path to profitability i think two of these which is repeatability and scalability are two pivots which one needs to search for in the early life cycle stage so investing in in growth in stage zero is almost a, i would i would call it as a sure shot prerequisite and uh, mostly uh, we know that these startups are dealing with a new concept and or a habit change and this may initially require selling perhaps only on the strength of price not the brand not anything else but price mm -hmm. and therefore may call for disproportionate investments and therefore uh, profitability may be a long long way off right so growth hacking kind of ref, you know is 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 breakthrough growth zone that you need to be getting into is how i interpret it and look at it right and also so do you think do you think when we consider growth marketing do you think the the quality of the product and the value that one startup product delivers to the customers does it have an important role to play and and do these things to get like come together and then the startup grows uh, multifolds like you said scalability and repeatability is important but then can startups without having a really good product or like a competitive advantage so to say grow with proper marketing with proper marketing hacks growth hacks can they still grow i do not think so i do not think so i think uh, the father of management peter f drucker told us that i i'm i'm reminded of one of his famous quotations that business exists to create a customer right and philip kotler who i'm calling as the father of marketing kind of told us that the customer is the king and besides the four p's that he talked about he talked about this very important thing called the customer value proposition so right. i think the concept of value that for any startup or for any business we need to understand that if the business exists to create a customer and customer value proposition is at the heart of everything then the concept of value needs to be understood which is about the creation of value the capturing of value and the extraction of value so a unique value proposition which is what which is what competitive advantage is what it is all about you know the the competitive advantage for which the customers will buy so your startup will never really take off if you do not have that now if we look at uh, the experience economy that uh, we are having today you know we've come a long mm -hmm. way from extracting the humble coffee bean as a commodity right <laughs> to making yeah, yeah. packaged coffee powder as a product to perhaps delivering service of a ready made coffee to a staged experience in a cafe so the progression of economic value you know in during during the course of this has mm -hmm. seen the competitive position shift from undifferentiated to differentiated while mm -hmm. pricing has moved from base levels to premium so right. in the modern day hub economy that we are talking about it's a it's a cloud first mobile first and ai first world where mm -hmm. all industries are kind of stem so algorithms are very very clearly leading to uh, you know what they call as network effects in a platform economy which mm -hmm. unleashes this very lethal business model where the more the number of users the more the value of the firm so with that advantage bagged i think it is important to focus on the competitive mode for sure it's not finance it's not strategy it's not marketing not technology not supply chain i think it is competitive advantage that uh, 
remains the ultimate edge both because it is uh, so powerful and it is so rare right 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 and also like you said uh, i mean there is a surge in the kind of products now we have moved to a service based economy and the whole business models in in most of the upcoming startups and new startups uh, when we compare it to early 2000s or rather uh, the previous century they have evolved a lot and uh, so how do you think today like i mean what do you think about uh startups today and particularly when when we're talking about india uh we are we we have uh, a lot of tech startups coming up now there is post covid there is a lot of uh, focus on d2c brands like you said uh so what do you think about the startup ecosystem in india how do you think it is growing now startup ecosystem around the world is very very clearly so let me take you back to the year 1995 first you know 1995 okay. the top 15 technology companies internet companies of the world between them combined had a valuation of something like 16 billion dollars okay and that mm-hmm. at that point in time was considered a quote unquote whopping valuation okay mm-hmm. now fast forward to today which is the year 2015 the top 20 internet and technology companies of the world have a combined valuation of something like 2.6 trillion dollars okay and if you also combine it with the unicorns valuation it reaches to something like a 3 trillion dollars so from a 16 billion dollars in a 20 year time to a 3 trillion dollars we are obviously not talking inflation adjustment here so something drastic has happened to the world and that something right. drastic that has happened to the world is that the world has discovered something called the platform business model so from a mm-hmm. traditional conventional pipeline based business model you have today moved to a platform based business right. model and which is where the which is where what i just said the more the value the more the number of consumers the more the users the more the value so th- it's a beautiful uh, uh, flywheel kind of effect where the various parts of the flywheel are actually adding the energy there are two sided platform there are multi sided platform so around the world we know that almost 87% of the unicorns are today platform based companies and we know that there is a very very clear bias for the technology based uh, companies so i think uh, uh, the startup ecosystem very clearly is also orienting itself in that direction where everyone is looking at technology as being the rightful world view and the rightful space through which to really drive their initiatives and platform based business models is the way to go even for forget the startup ecosystem even for large companies what digital transformation fundamentally is referring to is the ability of any legacy company to reinvent itself on the lines of uh, somehow successfully converting its traditional business model to a platform based business model so that's what the name of the game really is right 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 and i mean they're evolving so fast and like you said i mean it's important for so many startups to sort of maintain that competitive edge uh, so do you think uh, in in that move towards a platform economy uh, because can can all all the tech startups can all these startups that are doing uh, say d to c uh, doing fintech healthcare uh, can they move towards that sort of a model where in uh, this platform because i i see there is less skin in the game when you are a platform model right and uh, how do you how do you sort of create that product around such a model that sells so you generally tend to use like you said you generally tend to use then growth marketing and hacks and then do you think uh, in in terms of competitive advantage in terms of moats like you said do you think uh, the startups today uh, clearly think about this thing the startup that you mentor or startup that you invest in uh, 
the point right. that I was trying to make mm -hmm. is that if research shows me that 87% of the successful unicorns today are actually embodying a platform-based business model, sporting a platform-based business model, I would be wise enough to take that as an insight and as an input to kind of try and see how do I pivot my existing business idea to somehow be able to create. So when you say that there is less skin in the game, I, I would rephrase it to say that there is everyone's skin in the game, you know, so it's a smart move okay. where you've actually been able to bring about the participation of various stakeholders so that everyone has a skin in the game. And there is where the beauty lies that the platform based business model enables the business to assume a life of its own. And you know, that is how the growth it's a very, it's like, it's like uh, counter uh, almost antithesis to the original world where the basic principles of economics have been called into question and the principle of diminishing returns is no longer now operating because what we are realizing is that the more imagine I have a pen in my hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now this pen, if I have, let's say it's a 50 rupees, it's a one, it's a $10 worth of pen, right? Mm -hmm. If 200 people have it, the value of the pen that I have in my hand does not increase. Right. But imagine, Imagine a business model where if 500 people have it, the value of the pen that I have in my hand increases. That is the beauty right. of the platform based business model. The more the number of users, the more is the value. Now, it is such a beautiful thing because this is where you bring in, you know, because I see in an Uber kind of model, the more the number of drivers, the more is the attraction for more consumers to come in. The more the number of consumers, the more the number of drivers. And in effect, the platform assumes a life of its own and there is where the magic starts happening. Right, right, right. I get it. Uh, also, since we're talking about platform-based business models and growth, uh, so this reminds me of Mark Zuckerberg saying uh, that one of the secrets to uh, growing Facebook to these levels was that they, that they did, say, did things faster and they failed faster. So he, he's quoted saying, uh, move and break things. And uh, this is something that a lot of investors and advisors also suggest startups today. So do you think experimentation is crucial to startups? Uh, at what stages should a startup start experimenting with the product, with the model? And do you think it is, it is a little counterintuitive because we always have been told, I mean, in business schools, in uh, online courses and everywhere we've been told that if you're, if you're trying to do something, you should go forward with proper planning. So how do we manage this conundrum between fail fast versus say proper planning? Yep. So first things first is experimentation crucial that you asked, right? right. Hell yes. I am reminded of those lines in the poem by the Polish poet, I think Chazlo Miwash was his name. And those are the lines that have almost always stuck with me. It goes something like this. Love means to learn to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things for you are the only one thing among many. Now, I think what the poem suggests is that the key to happiness is to understand that you need to become less self-obsessed so that you can better relate to the world around you. I think it's very, okay. very important to become a good loser. One has to rise every time one falls. You only fail if you do not get up. I think failure, unfortunately, has just got a wrong uh, and stigmatized connotation around the world and especially so in India. You are 
my my contention is you have to fail fast you have to fail often you have to fail uninhibitedly and fail not quit you know that's the trick till you succeed and again mm-hmm. fail so a progressive mentality does not mean that you will never experience major setbacks or even utter failure for that matter i think i think failure can deliver vital lessons and invaluable experience and additionally reflecting on how far you have come you know it can provide the necessary fuel the necessary motivation so there are no shortcuts of course true success is as much about hard work as it is about resilience and what is resilience resilience is that ability to keep getting up when you are tempted to throw in the towel so my 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 point is never give up ever you know startups need to very clearly fail fast fail often i'm repeating fail cheap and fail better constant experimentation and continuous learning is the name of the game rather than you know elaborate planning there is that lean model so i'll come to the lean model a little later but startups need to keep their persistence levels high mm-hmm. and uh, i i you know i i remember richard branson once said you do not learn to walk by following rules you learn by doing and following over so right. that's how i would look at the and you had several points you know you you've actually raised you you've said too many things so on failure my belief is that failure is simply a a, a shortfall or an evidence of the gap between vision and current reality mm-hmm. so failure i am looking at it as an opportunity for learning it is about maybe inaccurate pictures of the current reality maybe uh, it's about the strategies that did not work as expected or it is about the clarity of the vision so failures one has to realize is not about one's unworthiness or powerlessness right the the formula is you have to launch iterate and pivot you have to launch and iterate launch and iterate you have to fail fast fail early fail cheap embrace failure it is i think the key to success now your other point that you mentioned was also very important when you say did you say planning right you said feeling yeah. fast versus proper planning right 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 so which is where i think the principles of lean model come in which is where you have to look at you know doing it feeling fast early you know kind of enables you to shorten the product development cycles and rapidly discover if a business model or if a proposed business model is viable or not and this you do through a combination of uh a uh, uh, business hypothesis driven experimentation iterative product releases and uh, perhaps validated learning right in the process right. what it enables you to do is you reduce market risks and you mm-hmm. sidestep the need for large amounts of initial product project funding and uh, you know there are no expensive product launches and failures so mm-hmm. i think entrepreneurs startups they need to have flexibility i do not think they need to adhere to a set business plan i think in most of the cases the challenge is to find one and once again i'm reminded about what mike tyson uh, you know famously said on his opponent's pre-fight strategies he said everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face so business <laughs> plans i think are a necessary evil as we all know but for a startup they are nothing more than fictional plans and rarely do they survive their uh, their yeah. first contact with the customers. right so right. I, i mean they really stick to yeah yeah i think it's important not to look for a normal iteration is the is the keyword for every aspect of the business you have to launch mm-hmm. iterate and again and again everything is changeable except let's say your intent to give your best to making it big mm-hmm. and startups need not uh, you know count the things as they do they they need to do the things that count so conventional planning for me is passe i think mm-hmm. dynamic pl- planning is uh, kosher if you will so <laughs> that's how it should go 
Okay, okay. Dynamic sounds, learning is for sure. That sounds interesting. And also, uh, so what do you think? So let's say, let's say, uh, startups should focus on a lean model. They should fail fast. Now, taking this, taking this theory and putting it uh, in in a growth stage startup. So let's say I I build a product and I I uh, check it out with a smaller audience and then I pivot and I I basically try and come up with something that that fits and that is scalable. Like you mentioned, the three things in the beginning, scalability is important. One important aspect of it. So uh, once I find a scalable business model and I go on and I and I reach that growth stage, how important do you think failing over there and experimentation over there is? It, Uh, so now i have found the perfect gap in the market and now i have found that this product is what will sell and still do you think do you think even at that stage even at growth stage uh, when when the startup is scaling their operations scaling the product even at that stage is experimentation important or which stage of startup should the founder particularly focus on uh, experimentation and the business hypothesis like you said so i think the name of the game has become racing to the pole position fast you know technology has finally ended up creating a world which is more unequal than at any other point in time in history and this is contrary to the promise that technology had earlier or internet had earlier kind of uh, espoused i think consumption spreads much much faster today electricity took something like 100 years to 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 reach a near all pervasive situation windows to reach a 1 billion numbers of consumers took something like 25 years android uh, recently took about 7 and a half years and we know that uh, today you know you have unicorns happening within 3 years we know the case right. of uh, uh, white hat junior which did it in it's not of course a unicorn but was able to exit at a at a you know fantastic valuation within less than 2 years time right. so the point is that if you do not become a unicorn let's say within 3 years you will perhaps never be one so i would say like mark twain said the secret of getting ahead is getting started so jump starting a startup is different from making a long term success of it right so when you say when the right time uh, i would say at all stages you know you mm-hmm. have to have and it has to be like geo you have to have the mentality of a startup even as you become a very very fairly large company so in terms of uh, the right time is when you've got the product right you've got the technology right you've got the business model right you've got the use cases enough numbers of users are using it and are willing to pay for it this is when you have to seize the moment and i would that's you know carpe diem for you really and as you do so i think in the world that we live in one has to embrace volatility so turmoil and uh, and chaos are integral to the existence of a startup and uh, those right. who cannot stand the heat perhaps need to get out of the kitchen so the right time <laughs> is as soon as you have crossed the chasm on 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 the on the you know technology adoption life cycle curve where you move from early adopters to early majority so right. two things that one has to in any case keep in mind is that time to take off could be much longer than you expect for new category products even as i said okay you know you have to get it out in 3 years but it could just take a little more time and the intrinsic attributes of innovation strongly influence the 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 diffusion rates that you have and right. uh, you have to look 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 at a company like a netflix you know netflix has pivoted at least four times netflix mm-hmm. started out as a, a, a you know a dvd by mail uh, kind of service 
which is where they threw out uh, the brick and mortar king blockbuster out of business and anecdotal uh, story has it that uh, a 150 billion dollar behemoth that netflix today is had offered itself to be for acquisition of a 50 million dollars in the year 2000 to blockbusters right this is when oh, wow. they had just got blockbusters to sit up and take notice so netflix's glory i think lies in institutionalizing pivoting on the go you know originally with a so they started out as a dvd by mail they uh, 2003 i think they went on to do their subscription model then they used technology and analytics to become a, a full-fledged modern television network in the year 2007 and and you know then 2012 or 13 is when they started getting into content and used technology and analytics for sharpening the content recommendation engine while using streaming as the new pivot so I do not think that uh, pivoting or iterating is something which you do once and after that you forget about mm -hmm. it. I think in a in a in a volatile, uh, uncertain, ambiguous, and complex world that we live in, pivoting is uh, pivoting on the go is really the key thing to keep yourself uh, uh, in business. Right, right. That's that's really helpful, and I think I think uh, we we mentioned that startup since the startup cycles going from uh, the start till the point they take an exit or become a unicorn uh, since they are shortening i think it's rather more important and then it connects back to our point of having that competitive advantage i mean more innovative you are the better competitive advantage you have the faster rates of diffusion and eventually you get to growth faster right so uh, this is this is really this is really nice since we have done <laughs> the complete circle so uh, one more point sir so uh, for attaining such high growth stay up uh, such high growth numbers that we're talking about here uh, a lot of times for a lot of startups i mean netflix is a very very amazing example of pivoting of of maintaining profitability uh, but the first three things that you said, coming back to them, I think profitability is is really really important for startups. And uh, a lot of these high growth companies, they are so metric driven, and particularly these metrics are also investor driven in turn. So, how do you think for attaining such high growth? A lot of times, profitability goes for a toss, right? And this has been happening with a lot of startups. So, how do you think startups should sort of make sure that when they're growing at such high speeds, when they're experimenting so much, they also have the clarity of path to profitability. Yeah. So I think success means that you have an idea where enough people are using it, the product that you have developed or the service that you're offering, and they are willing to pay for it, right? So that is what really creates that success. Now, I do not think that this wisdom is lost out on the funds or the investors either. You know, while everyone has a game plan and a timeline, I think investors and entrepreneurs sit on the same side of the table. And life is definitely not a zero sum game here. What I talked about, it's like a flywheel and different mm -hmm. elements provide energy to the flywheel, which makes it into a self uh, propelling or self, uh, you know, a momentum which it has. So the three things which we talked about, repeatability, scalability, the potential to scale and a path to profitability is what it needs to have. I think the name of the game is that increasingly businesses are following a model where they realize that the name of the game is aggregation of consumers, engagement of consumers and monetization of consumers. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> yeah. 
if you are able the venture funds are ensuring that they have a long lifeline to ensure that you can aggregate as many consumers as because it's a question of a lifetime value of the consumer as also the cost of acquisition that you're talking about and there are metrics that enable one to do that right the as far as if 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 that long lifeline is provided and you stay in the business long enough i think the path to profitability is also something which is manageable what is increasingly becoming a challenge is the engagement of consumers and that is where content is today playing an important role so i think it it you know while timing is important it needs to have the right timing when the scale has to come you know great ideas like i said if you do not do it fast the the big thing which is racing to the pole position fast if great ideas will lose out if someone else rushes to the pole position faster so if venture fund if the investors are telling you that it is the right time where you need to be going for growth and let profitability so it's a trade off that one has to do seemingly a trade off but in the end it all comes together and they have naturally a a better vision on the uh, a, a better vantage point and a better objective and uh, bystander point of view through which they can view it through a different lens to be able to see that if you do not land up with becoming a google of that business which you are right somebody else will therefore uh, race to that position and you will lose out right you're not wanting your idea to land up as a mom and pop business you know you wanting to really make it big that's why you got into it in the first place i'm presuming absolutely absolutely i mean i mean startups uh, start with that objective for sure uh, also sir uh, like you mentioned entrepreneurs and uh, investors are on the same side of the table but a lot of times i mean in my own experience as an entrepreneur we see that managing expectations of the investors of the shareholders the board and the company gets a little tough especially in a crisis situation where in uh, we see that founders start to focus more on survival for certain sectors of course and whereas investors they sort of uh, think about the long term profitability or it can be vice versa so how does a founder who knows more about the business who knows more about the idea the team and everything uh, how does he manage expectations of the shareholders investors because that is also important i mean i understand that investors have a longer point of view in terms of profitability and they understand that a startup might be losing money today to make money tomorrow he might be aggregating he might be at the stage where he's aggregating customers as of now and might monetize them later but then how do i manage expectations between what is right for my company and between what is feasible and what looks good to the investors yep right type rope walking i guess that's the name of the game isn't it so a corporation today has to uh, be accountable to the employees to the customers to the suppliers to the environment to the you know college society and to the shareholders so besides the investors that you talk about i think i think striking the right balance between various stakeholder interests is the key mm-hmm. and which is what can enable the entrepreneurs to help expand the economic opportunity for themselves for the startup that they are running and uh, when you say crisis i think managing risk needs to incorporate two key perspectives you know one is the acknowledgement and being aware of the vulnerability and also this is to do with building resilience building resilience you know this both of these things are a pre crisis app this is something mm-hmm. which you can awareness about how vulnerable i am or my business is 
end building resilience is something which i know i can do without you know the crisis really happening but when you faced with a crisis you know the first thing is that you have to resolve resolution of the immediate for mitigating the crisis is one step and regaining of the trust on a medium to long term basis these are the things that become key imperatives mm -hmm. so risk management is not crisis management i think crisis management is more short term and a part of the larger risk management startups right. need to be having a, a a a robust early warning system for spotting such risks and this requires entrepreneurs to perhaps develop an uh, outside in perspective okay volatility uncertainty complexity ambiguity the buka world that we live in shit happens it happens to everyone sooner or later the biggest Absolutely. of companies have to keep ahead so building resilience i think requires a startup to identify risk through a stakeholder lens and that is where all these stakeholders become important not only the investor while establishing a risk governance structure and uh, i think every startup needs to have a crisis response plan even before a crisis occurs and crises are bound to happen they are like failures what we talked about in absolutely. earlier in the earlier part of the chat absolutely absolutely that's amazing sir i mean uh, that's that's really helpful uh, so since now we are moving towards uh, we have uh, limited time with you so let's just move so i i'm going to try this new uh, uh, concept of rapid fire for for the first time in my episode uh, so sir let's just uh, go forward with it uh, so since you are an angel investor what is the one startup sector that interests you the most technology i would say as a big sector mm -hmm. and within technology i would say uh health and edtech okay okay uh so secondly one book that you go back to time and again and you refer to a lot of people i cannot identify one single book in fact uh, now i end up reading quite a lot with the digital having almost now become a digital native and come all the way and let's say a covid <laughs> situation also driven us to yeah. a situation of becoming less print friendly Yeah, and more yeah. digital friendly i end up reading so much that uh, to choose one book will i will end up doing kind of an injustice but when you're doing this rapid fire with me you're making me feel like i'm on a karan johar uh, show so thank you for making me like yeah. yeah yeah i'm just trying to put you on a spot anyway i mean uh, maybe let's go out with um, say uh, two or three books that you recommend to entrepreneurs so lean model is of course one very uh, big one and a core uh, you know the the lean model success i do not remember the exact name of it i think it's mm -hmm. a it's a good one that one should look at but there are uh, enough number of them out there there is a uh, you know uh, there is uh, one on disruption which is there which is uh, the professor from harvard business school who originally disruptive innovation that he gave the concept of mm -hmm. so i think those are important uh, insightful uh, books which kind of give uh, neat clean uh, ready to do uh, mm -hmm. ready to implement kind of recipes and you know they have a zoomed in and zoomed out view so it provides the entire perspective right 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 uh, so another question biggest challenge that you see startup industry in india faces today i think uh, the overall ecosystem uh, growth is something which still has to see the light of the day i think uh, you know 
the 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 failure rate in the us as per a harvard business school study is around 75% for startups in the case of india it is has as high as 90% uh, which it is there so i think entrepreneurship is a problem worth solving we also know that uh, it's not the large companies which you know generate employment 75% around the world as also in india i think msmes are the people who actually generate 70 are are, are responsible for generating 75% of the employment right. so entrepreneurship is has to be looked at as a public good i think it is the key to human capital transformation and it can lead to very clearly social and inclusive innovation so an overall thrust on uh, the ecosystem uh, really uh, still not, you know, providing that support structures across the ecosystem is something which is the big need of the art. Okay, okay. And uh, so, so just as a closing note, uh, one message, one advice that you would like to give to the entrepreneurs out there. Sure. I have the, you know, at the outset, I have to say I have the highest regard for entrepreneurs. I think uh, when when the kind of stakes that we just talked about, where we know that 90% of them uh, go on to, you know, go on to not make a success of it. I think a unique work idea, you need the execution capabilities, you need the right team, you need the uh, mentors, you need the uh, resilience, you need the uh, passion. And uh, then you need funding at every stage. Failure will happen. Like we said, shit happens. And most of all, you will need luck, right? So I think taming complexity is out. Embracing unpredictability is in. Uh, a, a new worldview is the need of the R, I think, for the startup leaders. A world with an uh, emerging new normal requires leading from the, from the middle of the circle. So an entrepreneur's job consumes you, you know, you, everything ultimately becomes the entrepreneur's problem, no matter where it starts. So this is exactly the reason why some entrepreneurs crack under the pressures. So the entrepreneurs need to constantly gaze upon their own reflection to see all the perspectives. Um, I repeat, an entrepreneur's job consumes you. It should not be looked at as a step up. You know, there is this fashion also that today I wish to become a founder. It should <laughs> yeah. not be looked at as a step up, but as a calling. Right. Right, right. That's that's really insightful. So thank you so much, sir. I think we can close the session over here. And uh, so, I mean, this session was really, really insightful. And I heard so many uh, terms that I that I read about in B school. And I and, and it's amazing to see that uh, these terms are actually applicable with so many concepts related to entrepreneurship and uh, to to growth marketing, particularly. So thank you so much for taking out the time today, sir. Sure, brother. Thank you.